Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a podcast for creatives of the comedy variety. I'm Jason Farr, your host. Let's do this. It's a very special episode. You might be able to hear some New York sounds in the background, and that's because we've taken the podcast on the road for the very first time. We're in New York City, and I'm saying we because I'm with my girlfriend, Justina. Say hello, Justina. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> she was a really hard get. She just would not do the podcast, <laughs> and now she finally is. So we are up here in New York City. We have not moved yet. We are here for a trip. We came for a concert that we went to last night, which was the Roots Picnic. And the reason I wanted to record was to talk about the trip. But first, a little business to get out of the way. Uh, definitely go to thereitispod.com, which is a website. You can read up on blogs. And I try to keep that updated, and you can engage in those blogs. And then also there's Twitter and Facebook. Uh, You can like us and follow us, um, disrespectively, because I said those backwards. But uh, at There It Is Pod, you can find me on Facebook and on Twitter there. And also, me personally, my personal account, at Jason Farr Jokes, where I'm trying to write jokes. Learning to write. Learning to write, everybody. All right, well... Let's get into what's been going on so far. So we got here on Friday, and today is Sunday. Yes. And um, we are doing uh, a five- or six-day trip. We're coming back on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I guess you can kind of count Wednesday as a day. Five-and-a-half, six-day trip. And uh, because we got to be technical. Uh, I don't know why I'm being technical. So let's talk about what we've uh, experienced so far. Friday... We um, went all over the city. We went to uh, uh, Rockefeller Plaza and we went bought to Grand tickets. Central. Yeah, we went to Grand Central. We went to Bryant Park. Went to the library, the public library. Yeah, and the public library. At the public library, we saw the um, actual stuffed animals that inspired Winnie the Pooh. I know they were so <laughs> sweet. <laughs> they were very sweet. What was? Uh, interesting to me from a creating standpoint the and i don't know how his the author's son christopher actually played with the toys mm-hmm. i don't know if he gave them voices and personality but the eeyore which actually had a pin in it to hold up his tail just like yeah. in, the, in the stories uh, which was very cool uh eeyore's head was still sort of down downtrodden yeah like so he was I, right yeah for real right so i wonder if the author saw that and utilized it which i think is a a good point to make on a comedy podcast like there it is where i'm trying to explain these sort of things of like use your body to convey information uh to your scene partners in an improv scene Uh, i think that's uh i thought that was very interesting to see actually in person and plus i love stuffed animals yeah. I feel like Piglet in real life looked a lot more sassy than his portrayed <laughs> Yeah, his Emma. arms were kind of up. <laughs> he was so tiny, too. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Piglet was very, very tiny. But, yeah, he had his arms up like, yay. Mm. 
Um, also, what else did we do Friday? We went by the Comedy Cellar, but we couldn't get in. No, I couldn't get in. We talked to the bouncer, who was very serious for a bouncer at a comedy club. <laughs> yeah, he um, was. Yeah, I mean, I understand nice. a bouncer can't be like, hey, yucking it up yeah, over yeah. here. But at the same time, we weren't causing trouble. Yeah. No, so no, he, he was, was cool. like... Not, he, he but was, he was very serious. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but we're going there Monday. More on that later. So that was Friday. Saturday was a very, very exciting day. Yeah. We started it off with, we woke up and they were setting up at the street under our window. They were setting up for a parade. It was a Nigerian pride parade. Nigerian independence. Uh, Nigerian independence parade. Which is something parade, to be proud of. Which is something to be proud of, yes. And so there are all these Nigerians out there and they're in their full garb. They were, it was great. And uh, it was very interesting to see and very cultural and cool. And they sang the national anthem. Like, they sang yeah. the American national anthem, mm-hmm. but then they did the Nigerian one, mm-hmm. too. So I thought that was really cool. And also the guy, I guess, who was sort of heading up everything was saying, respect the police. Yeah, he said that a lot of times. Um, a lot, yeah. And there were a lot of police out there. And all the cops that we've seen in New York, you know, in our full maybe 48 hours here, have been really cool. They're just they have been, yeah. I, that's actually here to help, it seems like. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, we're from South Carolina, so we didn't know that. We always see what's in the news, and I do think it's an important distinction to make to say, yes, these stories in the news are as tragic as they are, and we do need to be serious and take them seriously, but I don't want people to have the impression that just in general New York City cops are bad cops. We saw this sweet lady. It was a cop, mm-hmm. uh, and she was just this sweet lady talking to people, just normal, regular, everyday people. And a few, I guess you could say, several bad cops have made all cops look bad. But this impression that I had coming here, I was, I did come here with like a uh, NYPD, but they're really not bad. They're yeah, not bad. They're, cool. they're regular people, and uh, they're they're working hard. We did see firefighters, which was was like seeing a celebrity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> that was the Nigerian Independence Day, and along with it came some music. Let's play a little bit of that music right now. Super cool music. Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> the drums, the drum beats. So uh, then what we came up here to do was the Roots Picnic (laughs) and we went to that and it was amazing it was an incredible experience it was the first time Justine and I had been to a concert together which was great but the acts were why we were there I showed her a long time ago like an Instagram picture Questlove posted of the Roots Picnic and I saw that the headliners were John Mayer, D'Angelo and the Roots and I said oh that's gonna be a good show and then something along the lines of, like, too bad I can't go or something like that because it's in New York City. And then as a surprise, she bought tickets to it because, uh, yeah, giving, uh, giving props to the Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but it was truly an amazing concert because, I, you know, D'Angelo is one of my favorite artists and one of my favorite all-time favorite albums is Voodoo. And John Mayer is one of my favorite artists and... 11 years ago he posted an open letter to Questlove saying bring D'Angelo back his voodoo was such an important album uh, to me and to everybody so please bring him back because Questlove if you don't know produced voodoo and played on voodoo along with Pino Palladino the bassist 
who's in John Mayer Trio. So I was like, oh, how great would it be for the three of them, or Pino and Questlove and D'Angelo, so the four of them, to play together. And you didn't expect together. or know that Pino would be there, right? I didn't expect Pino to be there. I was not surprised, yeah. but I was not expecting it. And uh, for me, it was huge to see them playing together and to hear these uh, to hear these D'Angelo songs that I have been nerding out on and loving for over a decade, and then to see John Mayer playing on it <laughs> was just like surreal for me. Like I could always envision D'Angelo and Questlove playing together, but to see uh, John Mayer in the mix was was just dope. Also, the the sheer joy that was on John Mayer's face when he would look at Questlove and play, when he would look at D'Angelo, or when he was like back with the other guitarists and they were like in a huddle yeah. and they were playing. That was so cool. Him and Captain Kirk playing again. I'd seen, I'd seen him play on uh, Late Night when he he sat in with the Roots on Late Night years ago, but um, having D'Angelo there and Pino was just very very cool. But as a as a entertainer as someone who gets on stage and performs it was just nice to see how they were connecting with each other these amazing musicians uh what did what was your take back from the concert um well i was really nervous because i don't like to be around that many people but it was totally fine because you know everyone was focused on the same thing when everything when the show was happening so that was great also it was just like a really interesting lineup like all these different kinds of artists we saw, you know, Emily Wells, who was completely different than anyone else up there. She was, yeah. And, um, but she was so sweet. And <laughs> everyone was so nice. Everyone at the concert was really cool. It was like a cool people concert. It was a cool people concert. I was not, um, I wasn't sure what to expect either. There was like that whole, <laughs> like that concert etiquette faux pas of oh, like yeah. people showing up at the last minute and trying to like. And that tall guy. He's like, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> like, where? <laughs> where <Yeah>. were you? <laughs> but just people, just uh, think about a concert where there's no assigned seating. The people who were there before you were in line before you. You don't get to cut line. That's just easy etiquette to understand. If you were going to go get an iPhone, you wouldn't get to the front of the line or get in the middle of the line. You'd have to get at the back of the line because that's how that works. That's the same at a concert. You just got to this 10-hour festival in the ninth hour. Of course you don't get to go to the front of the line. Yeah. Of course. Um, so there were a ton of amazing acts. We Common jumped in on the roots. Oh, my gosh. That was crazy. That was crazy. No one was expecting that. That was really amazing. Oscar winner, Common. Yeah, that was awesome. We earlier in the day we got to see Neil Brennan do stand up, yeah, which is great. Yeah, he was introduced by Dave Chappelle, but Dave Chappelle didn't come up on stage to introduce him, and I think that was strategic. And I think it was nice because, like, if Dave Chappelle, I don't know, you tell me, if Dave Chappelle had gone on stage and then walked off stage, people would be like, "Dave Chappelle!" Right. But he introduced him from off stage. Would have been a big distraction. Yeah. And, and then, not everyone knew that it was Dave. Oh yeah, that's right. And then Neil Brennan came up and killed. Oh my God. It was like 20 minutes, 25 minutes. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was, everyone was roaring. Oh my gosh. I it was very about good. It. I, I learned so much as a stand-up watching him because he was just so on point. He was really on, uh, he had a lot of great tags. He had uh, really well-constructed jokes. He had a great joke 
about like the Confederate flag. Right. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I live in South Carolina. Yeah. I could have written this joke. Why did I not write this joke? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, since that happened last summer, hearing everyone's jokes about it and how his was, like, the best one. The best (laughs) one, yeah. All these people who are in the thick of it, you would think would be able to have the best take on it, but no. No, (laughs) This is the New York guy. He's so great. And then after he finished his set, he had Dave Chappelle come up on stage, and Dave Chappelle... (laughs) Was, was really funny. He's like, I'm not going to tell a joke. You know, not one joke. <laughs> and then he did. And then he did, just by talking. Like, he's just so funny and is, smart uh, and witty. Oh, gosh, that was such a... He could still do his sketch show. Yeah, oh, um, yeah. He had to come out later in the concert right because... D'Angelo. Right, because D'Angelo, um, as per usual, took a little time to get to the stage. Uh, they started bringing, like... Uh, the, of course, Black Thought was the MC. And he was trying to bring him to the stage. He was like, oh, apparently he's not ready yet or he's not here yet. Uh, He's in the area. (laughs) So they brought Dave Chappelle up to stall, which Dave Chappelle said, I'm up here to stall. You know that, right? But uh, even then, he was just funny. Yeah. He was just great. (laughs) He just crushed. He he made a comment uh, (laughs) about how hard it was to see Key and Peele do his show for the last five years. <laughs> that was so funny. That was very funny. Yeah, so it was great. It was a really all-in-all all a great concert. I feel like I learned a lot about performing. What was kind of funny was, like like I said, Black Thought was the MC, And so he was doing his MC thing, bringing the energy. But it was so funny to still see him have to do business at the end and say, like, oh, and when you exit, right. exit where you came in, just try to get to 42nd Street, and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> <It> was like, <laughs> that's just like anything I have to do when I host. Yeah. I just, <laughs> that's that Not was bizarre yeah. to, to, to see Black Thought have to do that. Uh, or Tariq, as people who watch The Tonight Show refer to him. They don't call him Black Thought on The Tonight Show? Sometimes they call him Thought, but how weird would it be for Jimmy Fallon to be like, hey, Black Thought? I think it'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's his name, but I just might... If, there's so many people watching the Tonight Show who yeah. probably would not realize. What's he talking about, Black Thought? <laughs> Why does he get to call him Black yeah. Thought? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't he call him African American Thought? <laughs> uh, so uh, coming up, we have uh, today. We're gonna go see Magnet. So I'll talk about that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow, Monday. We're going to go see The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. I'm super excited about that. So that is coming up in the next couple of segments. Okay, it is Monday, uh, day four of our New York City trip. So you're still going to hear noise in the background. And uh, we had a really fun day yesterday. Yeah. Our, our third day was a lot of fun. We walked around all of New York City. Yeah, we walked around a good bit of it. Not yeah. all of it. We couldn't cover all of it. I don't have feet anymore. <laughs> um, no, <laughs> no. We uh, we walked around. We walked through Times Square with Justina's very good friend Naomi. Nene. Or Naomi. Her real name is Naomi. Nene, <laughs> also known as Nene, and she went to college with her. She's a best friend. Yes, she's one of your best friends. She's my best friend. And she's from Jersey. 
Yes. Yeah. But she knows the area well, so she was yeah, able to. Yeah, her father works here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she was able to walk us around. We went to the Eminem World. Store. Yeah. We went through the village. We went to see the Freedom Tower. Mm-hmm. Went to Central Park. Yeah, that was wonderful. Someone was playing piano beautifully. Mm-hmm. We went through Times Square, and I'd always heard about like Times Square Elmo and all that kind of stuff. Well, we saw him. We saw Times Square Grover. I didn't see yeah, Elmo. Yeah, I didn't see Elmo. But here's the, it was super weird. So when we were walking there, there were a couple of Minnie Mouses walking up, but they didn't have their hat, their their like heads yeah. on. So it was kind of like you're ruining you're ruining the illusion. But like even with their heads on, all of them looked sad. Yeah, to me. yeah. There was just they were definitely like poor man versions, mm-hmm. <laughs> like not not quite officially the costume. There was a Hello Kitty, but that lady wasn't wearing. It was like an older lady. Yeah. And it so it was like that's not what I expected to see in Hello I know. Kitty. And there was a Captain America of a guy who was definitely not from America, which is yeah. I'm not xenophobic. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying if there was someone named Romanian yeah. Wonder, I shouldn't play him because it doesn't make sense. I'm American, but it, so it was just totally random to see yeah. someone who's not American playing. Well, I guess they're American. There were also the naked women. Yeah, I blocked that out of my oh, memory. I'm sorry. Uh, explain there. what you saw. With Just the, like these w- women with boas and not real boas, like feather boas, and they had body paint on, but they were like, I'm pretty sure they were 100 percent naked, and people were taking pictures of them, and it was. There was a commotion around them. Yeah. I was not paying attention. I looked away. I couldn't take my eyes off it. <laughs> you were demanding a picture with them. <laughs> <laughs> We also saw the Nesquik guy. We yes. were walking along, and the guy was... He was happy. He was, he was good. Yeah. He was good. He Nesquik. was sitting... He kept trying to sit down. On a fire hydrant. Yeah, and he was, like, making a big gag out of it. it I thought funny. that was pretty great. Yeah. I got a picture of it. Maybe I'll put and it in the blog. And a free chocolate milk to boot. Yeah, it was a protein chocolate milk oh, that Nesquik that is uh, given. They were, they were testing out, and it had, like, 13 grams of protein. Huh. Or if you drank the whole bottle, it was, like, twice. <laughs> uh <laughs> So, we before we get into the big headlining act that we saw, uh, I just want to mention. So we talked about the Roots Picnic previously in in, uh, in the Spycast in the previous segment, and we mentioned Dave Chappelle being there and making a joke and saying, you know, making a joke saying that you know, watching Key and Peele do a show for mm-hmm. the last five years. Guess what's trending online? What that comment. I just saw it this morning. Oh, no way. And they're saying Dave Chappelle disses Key and Peele. Oh, my god! So they're already, like, doing some BS clickbait That's spin on unreal. it. unreal. It was clearly a joke. Like, oh, yeah. We everyone were, laughed. Everyone just laughed. No one was like, ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. F. Key and Peele, he dissed them. Wow, isn't that It's so just crazy. clearly a joke of just, like, they're on Comedy Central. I was on Comedy Central. This is like they're one doing of those, a sketch show. Yeah. I did a sketch show. This is one of those few times where, like, I know from the source that it's false. You know, mm-hmm. clickbait is like you, you like go there and then you have to work backwards and read the article, but then actually go look at other articles to make sure that was true. Mm-hmm. This one, like I was there. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Instantaneously, yeah. you see. Yeah. Oh, that's just bullcrap. Yeah. <laughs> They're just lying. Yeah. Uh, it's and it's and it's not like some fringe website. It was I saw complex.com. That wow. was their headline. I even commented on. It. I was like, this is BS clickbait. Yeah. I was there. This was just a joke, people. That's unreal. Yeah, I mean, and 
I wonder sometimes if people who write headlines like that and articles like that, sometimes journalists are looking for a take. Mm-hmm. And uh, just from my experience in, in journalism, I have seen people who it's like they honestly see it that way. It's like, well, that's not what really happened. But they're so used to, well, what's the dirt and right. finding the dirt right. because usually there's dirt. But uh, which is maybe an honest way of finding out false information. <laughs> but sometimes these like the, the false narrative can either come from being a weirdo or from just deliberately putting it in yeah. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's super. Uh, that's a shame. It is. Uh, so you heard it here. Dave Chappelle did not diss Ken <laughs> Pill. It was a joke. People yeah. need to calm down and learn how to take jokes. Uh, so what we did at the end of the night was we went to the Magnet Theater, Improv yes. Theater, and watched Cornfield and Andrews do a really great set, two-person show. They've been doing this um, two-person show for a year or two years? I thought it was a few years. He said uh, it was like no one was in town and yeah, it was like yeah. three years ago or something. And they something do it like every that. Sunday night at the Magnet Theater. Right. It was great. It was about an hour long, two-person set. They played multiple characters, but it was like a mono scene, basically. Right, yeah. It was incredible. I had seen uh, a couple of people from our theater do it. Ben mm-hmm. Burris and Harrison Brookie do a mono scene like that before and, and, and playing multiple characters. What I really liked about it was just it had this deliberateness to it. Well, like Rick has maybe a little different pace than Lewis Cornfield, but yeah. uh, I felt like it was this really perfect combo mm-hmm. of let's find what this scene is and let it be and let things happen and then do them again. I, what did you find about that? Because it did seem like it wasn't that sort of let's find a game, which you really can't do in an hour yeah. duo show. It was let's talk for a little bit. It was kind of slow and deliberate. Slow is the wrong word. No, That's I what think everyone it, but it was, it was slow because then they were like fi- figuring out characters because they're going to leave those characters and then come back to them later so they need to make sure that they're strong and know what those characters oh, feel yeah. and think. That's you know? a really good point. So um, I think they took time for that reason and yeah. for other reasons, I'm sure, but maybe that. And um, then when they found little games throughout, they started bringing them yeah. up later. Yeah, and, that was great. And the pace when they would bring them back started increasing. Mm-hmm. Like the first couple times it was like scattered about, but then towards that last quarter of the show... It was coming in a lot quicker and a lot more often, a lot yeah. more frequently. It was cool. It was super it was, cool. It was. It was. It got a little surreal there, too. Yeah. <laughs> it was... I wasn't... That almost came out of left field, where it was like, there was this weird that started inching its way into the show with the robot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which was like, you know, not... It starts off with this very real world that like we experience, yeah. and then it was like, oh, they're they're robots. Yeah. And this show. So it was really cool to see, to see that sort of uh, change up in the show. Then um, it's also nice to see like an alchemy sized theater in New York. You know, it's like it oh, it exists elsewhere. It's comforting. You know. It is, it is. Uh, I mean, I guess in my mind, I was envisioning every. Th- improv theater in new york was going to be UCB 300 yeah. but i mean i heard the ucb theater is the size of our stage yeah like their stage is right, the size right. of our stage they fit a lot more people than mm-hmm. we do but their stage i think someone even said their stage is a little smaller oh my gosh that's I think, crazy i know i loved the setup 
of their stage at Magnet. Mm-hmm. It was really perfect. It was right yeah. in the center. It was. It gave you good places to walk in and out. Mm-hmm. And it worked really well. I thought it was great. So what we're doing today, and you'll hear about in the next segment, is the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Yay! I have no idea who the guests are. I just want to see Stephen Colbert, hopefully Brian Stack, and John Batiste. That's all. I I think it's going to happen. And then, um, hopefully, we'll make it in time to the Comedy Cellar. Yes. Then we're going to try to go see the Comedy Cellar. So, uh, next segment, we'll talk about that and what our experience was seeing how the late show is run, getting to see things behind the veil. Or on the other side of the camera, and also Comedy Cellar. Now, is the Comedy Cellar just this guy that sells comedy? Is that mm-hmm. what it is? That's a, it's it's S E L L E R. It's a Comedy I'm, Cellar. Okay. It's a guy who's like, hey, folks, I'm selling comedy here. I was trying to sell you something here. Mm-hmm. It's New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'll buy it. <laughs> oh, you know, one thing it reminds me of Comedy Cellar. There's that guy in Times Square, and this is on a Sunday, saying, "Tickets, Tina Fey." Live show, Comedy Central. This guy was just saying this low enough to where, I guess, people could only kind of hear him and then come up. It was totally a scam. Because what show is Comedy Central doing live with Tina Fey on a Sunday night? I don't know. Maybe it's real. But it sounded real fake. Yeah, it did. (laughs) I mean, and plus... That's not really how you get tickets. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like he's he at least got those if they're real tickets, which I doubt they are, he got them and is trying to trick people into paying money for what was originally free tickets. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. He's a com- he's a comedy seller. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> he's also so we've already been to the comedy seller? Yes we have. Oh, okay. Speaking of the comedy seller and Dave Chappelle, I've been trying to find online this video that was uh, Dave Chappelle, John Mayer, Chris Rock, Aziz Ansari. The pictures have been going around online, but there's apparently video, and I have not seen it, and I don't know how to find it. Oh, my it. gosh. But someone amazing. posted it, posted a picture, and said, the video's even better. Okay, I you want to share is, yeah. the video, dummy? Mm-hmm. Why are you telling us that the video's even better? All right. Well, next segment, we're going to tell you about Monday night. Well, now it is Tuesday. October 4th. October 4th. And uh, <laughs> yesterday was Monday, October 3rd. <laughs> no, uh, so yesterday what we did, the first big thing we did was going to the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Yeah, I always want to call it the Colbert Report, even though obviously it's not what it is. Well, I guess everybody, it's one of the things that I heard somebody say during all the Leno Conan debacle was that... Um, Nobody calls these shows the Tonight Show. They just call it like Leno. Yeah. Or Conan, you know? Mm -hmm. When Conan left the Tonight Show, he started a show called Conan because that's what people call it. Yeah. You know, so I I get that. I think people are calling the Tonight Show the Tonight Show. But nevertheless, we went to the Late Show with Stephen Colbert and it was fantastic yeah it was awesome it was so awesome to just it was a beautiful theater they had sullivan theater is so uh, historic i mean all these great performances have happened there i can't believe that uh we're in the same building that the beatles performed in you know uh it was a really really killer show so 
one of the things that uh, really got me like the was how everything came together. You had the warm-up guy come out. Yeah. Had a very specific task, and he did it specifically. And yeah. he got everybody warmed up. Like he 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 doesn't he didn't warm up the way I warm up when I'm back in South Carolina. He warmed up like their job is to do what to be loud to be energetic to be enthusiastic and to be up on their feet that's what we want the audience to do so i'm gonna do things that specifically make them do that yeah no no he, he was great and everyone it seemed was already hyped to be there mm-hmm. and he just did it even more and, and he was really funny and I don't know, it was awesome. And then when we went to Comic Cellar, we saw a picture of him there. Yeah, Paul Mercurio was the opener, and so, I mean, the opener, the the warm-up guy. And he did do a great job, and we, we saw that his face was on the wall at Comedy Cellar. One of the things he did, one of my big take-backs for him warming up was that he did let us know we had a responsibility. Mm-hmm. We were, he was saying, you're mic'd, we're using your laughs and your applause as the track for the show so we want to make sure that you're doing that you know Mm -hmm. like let's let's do that and i think obviously for a lot of shows like if i were doing an open mic i shouldn't come in there like stand up (laughs) like he was doing or like whatever an open mic crowd needs to do is what you need to get it's just break down what is it we need them to do so let's get let's give them Let's let them know what the responsibility that they have is, but also let's give them permission to do it. Yeah. I feel like that's a big part of it. I think if he hadn't been doing that so much, of course, we still would have been excited and we would have stood up maybe one time. We would have applauded when Colbert came out. But yeah. honestly, we do need to do it more than <laughs> more than we would have had he not been out there to make all those points. So I think for like an improv show, what I'm learning is oh, they really have to give suggestions. So I have to give them permission to shout out suggestions. Because so many times when I've hosted a short form show, which lives off of getting suggestions, the audience dwindled in giving suggestions. Like you did that warm up. He's like, oh, say your name, say your favorite color. But I didn't explain enough of your responsibility is this because that's the only way we can really do this show yeah <laughs> and so that's what he did and i think that would uh, be a also, good thing to do it like there was no pressure show. on the audience it was just like this is gonna right. be a blast yeah these are some things that's gonna help make it a blast you know right and it's I, not like you gotta do this yeah exactly but just knowing that you have something you have to do and being given the permission it helped, to it gives do you it more was, focus as an audience member yeah Another thing that got me was just how on point everybody was right when they were needed to be on point. Uh, I don't even... I've I've always struggled with trying to figure out how to word this. Some actors will call it being there. Uh, Some uh, Sometimes I'll call it when a performer is really giving it their all. And everybody really was giving it their all with no build-up that we saw it was like here's the band it's time for john batiste and stay human to come out and they were just on fire yeah and then it's time for stephen colbert to come out and he's just on fire just like and then he has these breaks he has these four two minute breaks because they were cutting for commercial and he's just gotta keep the juice up 
and he's walking around he's talking to people who work there crew people are walking up saying here's what something you got to do next and then when the cameras turn back on him he's on fire again I, I just that's a hard thing to do well Colbert I don't remember the quote exactly but he has said like in anything you do be fully focused on that one thing and you know he, he is not distracted at all when he's doing that show and but there's so many distractions mm-hmm. there's a super loud music mm-hmm. I could barely hear you. We were sitting next to each other because yeah. the music was so loud. He's closer to the music, I feel like, than we are. And he was... He's also half-deaf. Right. And he was able to carry on conversations with producers. <laughs> and I thought that was uh, very interesting that he he was able to stay so focused. That's yeah. a really good point. I, I had not heard him say that, so that's cool. Yeah, that I wish you knew the exact quote. I would also say everybody who was there had, they were on top of it. They were on top of their game. The crew was on top of everything. Everyone was really just going for it. And I think even the band that played, Sum 41, they were playing, (laughs) here's this band, punk rock, pop rock band, or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what they are. Uh, (laughs) But they were performing... And they were completely on fire. And I, it's not my style of music. Yeah, but they, me neither. <laughs> but here they were performing in front of a lot of 50-year-olds, you know? There weren't a bunch of... We were probably a quarter... People around our age were probably a quarter of the audience that particular day. And I don't know, maybe we were half. Uh, but I wasn't looking at everybody. There were so many people in there. And we didn't see who was in the balcony. But where we were sitting, it was older people for the most part. And they weren't into the show. But some 41, if you're just watching that episode, you think they were completely on fire and ready to go. Well, for one, how do you do that for an audience that doesn't seem to care? And also, where did you get that energy from? I know, <laughs> Like, yeah. you're doing one song. No, just like Colbert and his crew, some 41... They're pros. Like, they know what to do when they get out there. And, and they were really kind, you know. Before Sum 41 came out, the main uh, guest was Mindy Kaling, who was great to see. Yeah, it was really was fun sweet. to see her. And mm-hmm. she was really funny, which she is. And they did a fun bit where they ran down to a Dwayne Reed's or farm. Like, it's just a pharmacy. It's like Walgreens. Mm-hmm. And they, bought, they did a real funny gag there that was getting me laughing a lot. Uh, especially when Colbert started stuffing the candy in his <laughs> in his like pants, uh, so that was really funny. Then Gary Owens was the other guest, who's a stand-up, who I'd seen a lot in the '90s, and he's uh, he's a lot on like BT. He was he was like a big comic view comic. So after Colbert, we saw this comedy. So we went to the comedy cellar yeah. and saw a really fun yeah, show. Yeah, a lot of fun acts who were on that. We had um, the person I was familiar with before going up there was Nick Griffin. Mm -hmm. Uh, I hadn't seen any of the other people who were on, but they were all funny. And one of the things that really got me, uh, I thought the MC did a good job emceeing getting people ready. He was great. He was really great, yeah. So I learned a lot as a host of a stand-up show and I've I learned like a he lot. was like for a good part of it um just um doing bits with the audience like mm-hmm. like not doing crowd work it yeah. wasn't his um 
crowd work is the term, I believe. And he wasn't just doing his jokes. You know, he did eventually, but like a lot of the time, he was just just like with Late Show. It just seemed like he and there were one or two other people when they would do crowd work, they would just effortlessly and flawlessly get into material. And it wasn't very obvious, but once they start doing the joke and you're laughing at the joke, you're like, oh, this is a joke of theirs. Now, there are a couple of times where someone was just riffing off the cuff, but when people were asking questions about, oh, uh you a Republican or you're a Democrat and then they just go into their joke it, they just flawlessly did that and it was really great to see oh that's the pace you're supposed to have that's the demeanor you should have one thing I also really appreciated was how everything went up with each comic everyone brought a little bit more Yeah. and I don't know how as someone who could put together a set list how to really do that I mean, it's harder to do it at an open mic when i have 20 comics and not everyone's going to be there at the start of the show which is annoying but that's one thing that happens uh, people just want to show up late for the sake of showing up late that can throw off the rhythm of the overall show mm-hmm. so we can never really put together the show the best but even when we have like a handful of people and you say, well, these two people, they should be openers because of the amount of material they have. And this person has the material to do a feature set. And this person can get the last set and get the most amount of minutes. It should work like last night, where first comic comes out, oh, okay, I'm laughing, this guy's good. Next person comes out, it's even more. And even more as the, as the yeah. comics come out. And that is, I don't know how they were managed to do that. I feel like uh, I feel like when Nick Griffin came out because I had known him I was familiar with him and not familiar with the guy who was headlining or who was going up last I don't know if he was technically headlining I was like oh Nick Griffin he's so so sharp with his delivery and the way he's written it and he's like not paying any attention to all the distractions of the room I don't know how he's doing this and I don't know how someone can do more of this. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, uh, what's his name? Nick? Dis, dis, um, Chris Disfano. Chris Chris Disfano. If I'm saying his last name right. I think it was Disfano. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he was great. <laughs> he comes out and he has it all. <laughs> He's the whole package. Yeah. And he was fantastic. And I, I just didn't know how they ratcheted up. Like, they kept bringing it up and up with every single person. So I wonder if even, like, each subsequent person feels like more of a responsibility to keep up the energy i've heard people talk about that before when they were like a feature uh on a show they said i have a responsibility to keep the energy going and uh and you know i can't drop the ball here because the headliner's got to come out to this yeah (laughs) so i i imagine so but it's just interesting it's interesting to see because it seemed like so many of those comics could have gone last Mm -hmm. so how did it get go up a notch with each comic and how do we get comics to do that in South Carolina like how do we set up a set list to where all these comics are going on and any of them can go last uh, but this is the order and so how do we get it to go up and up and up so I don't don't know know. it helps like I don't know a lot about stand up and I don't do it but I feel like just seeing that done so well last night it gives me an idea of how it should be done but you know yeah. you might not know that if you don't 
see that all the time. Right. Exactly. I think that is a very good point. Well, I feel like this is a good time to end this segment. Those were two really good shows. We learned a lot from watching it, Mm -hmm. I think. And I am going to take a lot of what I saw back to South Carolina. Well, next up, we're going to talk about our last night here in New York City. And that was to see a show at the UCB. Okay, so we're on our final night. It's Tuesday night now. And we are, this, we just had our final day here in New York City. Yeah. And it was pretty exciting. We went to the NBC Studios tour and uh, we got to see, and that was after we went to Carnegie Deli with some friends. Well, first the studio tour, then Carnegie Deli, then we went back. Oh, that's right. It, this has been a long day because yeah. we did not stop. So, uh, yeah, we did the NBC Studios tour, then had lunch with friends, and then ended up back at Rockefeller, because this is what happened. After we uh, did the NBC Studios tour, which we got to see Nightly News Studio and the SNL Studio, and we got to sit in the seats there, and then also the um, uh, Seth, Seth Meyers uh, Studio at 8G. Um, we were heading downstairs and somebody said, hey, you can go to the Seth Meyers monologue rehearsal mm-hmm. if you want and here are tickets for it. You don't have to do standby or anything. You're definitely going to be in to see that. So we we're like, yeah, sure. We'll go see that. And that was at 3.30. So we went to lunch at Carnegie Deli. Great. Yeah, but uh, it'll be closing soon. Right. So if... You're going to be near Carnegie Deli before the end of the year of 2016. Then, by all means, go to Carnegie Deli. Mm -hmm. Other than that, sorry. Um, So we go back and we go to the the monologue rehearsal. And it was super fun. Like, Seth Meyers came in, he talked to us for a little bit. Before we went into the monologue, we saw John Lutz and Amber Ruffin, and they came in and did a little bit with us, <laughs> joking around, and then they left and uh, sent us in there, and we watched Seth do three or four times the amount of jokes he would actually do for the monologue on the air, and then also he rehearsed the A Closer Look bit mm-hmm. that is airing tonight uh, in just a few minutes, actually. Yeah. And uh, they did a lot of, um, like, the same kind of jokes. Like, there were, like, eight Trump jokes. Mm-hmm. But when he actually did the real monologue, right. he did not do eight Trump Right, jokes. exactly. And, and then there were a couple of jokes that had basically the same setup. Right. And they both ended up... So, so here's what happened. <laughs> We leave there, and it was like, wow, that was an amazing surprise to have happened. And then someone was like, you can get into the show. Uh, (laughs) And so we came back. We went down there for that, and then we got into the show as well. We we were in standby line for that, but they had enough open seats to let us in. So we got to not only see the monologue rehearsal, but the actual show tonight. And... It was great to see how he whittled down the monologue jokes and how he redid... He didn't really redo anything with the closer look. He maybe added a joke 
but other than that it was still it was the same it was just cool to see him do it twice and how he would perform it twice one thing that struck me was how they warmed up the crowd uh it wasn't terribly different than the way they did it for late show the only there were some differences in like the warm-up guy comes up i think at the end and says something when they were done taping after after, after tonight after, yeah yeah, yeah after, after yeah. Mm-hmm. uh late night he came out He's and said something else yeah. right so it was kind of there to guide us the whole time but for me i felt like in both experiences everyone there is telling us the audience here's what your role is tonight so they're informing us yeah. here's what you're here to do you have complete permission to fully do that and so, and even Seth Meyers and Stephen Colbert took part in saying that. They both at times had to come up and address the audience directly mm-hmm. off air and say, so let me explain uh, what happens sometimes and what we're about to do right now. So get ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're about to do that. So that happened last night because they had to cut a, a little bit out of the show. Uh, last night was late show. But tonight they had to... Uh, change something to do something a little different than what is typical (laughs) seth myers after interviewing uh judge judy and kelly clarkson right both really great both crushed it Uh, especially kelly clarkson she gave us a book uh she uh, so anyway seth myers walks up towards the audience and says uh, sometimes we book guests we can't fit them in the schedule exactly when we would so we record interviews with them for the next night we record it the previous day so i'm gonna go back i'm gonna change my my suit then i'm gonna interview chelsea clinton and then he just walked away oh, yeah. <laughs> the audience went crazy <laughs> and so it was super funny and then chelsea clinton came out and he did an interview with with her. It was fun and, and great. And then uh, she left, and he changed back into his other suit. And then he brought out the musical guest, Tom O'Dell. And uh, then they entered the show. But before a, that, he did affirmations, which oh, was hilarious. Oh, right. He did a, that funny bit, affirmations, that I really loved. So I, I enjoyed that as well. So what my take back from seeing, for one, Late Show and Late Night, back to back to fact mm-hmm. the fact that we got to see two live tapings was pretty cool but it seems like a lot of it so of course so much of these shows are made for television so that's who they're really trying to appeal to mm-hmm. a lot of things don't necessarily serve the in-studio audience but they're still trying to make it a show for the in-studio oh, yeah. audience yeah still keep it lively and it was interesting to see how they did that and I feel like I've l- I learned a lot about what to take back to South Carolina to try to do that yeah. better than I than I usually do. Uh, what were your take backs on it? Um, just that they're really kind. You know, they both made a point to talk to the audience to answer questions from the audience. They um, they really care about what people think you know the the monologue jokes i mean obviously it's no good for them if no one laughs but the whole fact that he tested those with us you know to see if they would work before the taping of the show that was that was interesting to me um it was just great also um the uh late show that's like way more energetic as an audience member than late night it was really interesting right um like way more energetic like crazy yeah and i wonder I think there were times when they tested our laugh for both shows, but they seemed to really push 
at Late Show. All right, what's your big laugh going to be? Let me hear it. Let me hear it. This side. Now that side. They didn't do that as much for us on Late Night, but it sounded like they were maybe doing that for the Fallon crew. So I guess it's like 11.30 shows are like, we need more energy. Yeah. But then also, I think there's maybe just the vibe of 12.30 is supposed to be a little more laid back. And Late Night specifically has a band that's not as loud as, like, John Batiste and Say Human, pretty lively bunch. Yeah. Pretty loud. Sounded like a parade. Roots. Definitely. What we heard on the tour was... They're real loud. Yeah. <laughs> it was so loud that it was bleeding into the studio. And so Fallon shoots The Tonight Show in the studio directly below where Seth Meyers shoots Late Night, which is a pretty cool tidbit of information to me. I didn't know that before today. And they had to construct the studio in such a way so that the sound didn't travel because it was uh, yeah. an issue uh, at one point. They even stagger when they record those two shows yeah so i thought that was pretty cool we also had a chance to ask seth meyer's advice and i asked him if he had any advice for two people coming from south carolina who want to do comedy in north new york city validating it's just what everyone else has been telling us yeah so it was it was get into one of the theaters here and surround yourself with good people because you know what you're going to do is hard what you're trying to do is hard and you need people around you yeah but it was nice yeah it was it was really cool um i uh tried to ask stephen colbert that and i would like to know what stephen colbert would say still but uh he didn't see my hand i made it a point to really raise it high oh, i know tonight uh <laughs> nice. so then after that, that so that was all happenstance that was serendipitous we did not end up I didn't know they were taping late night tonight when we went to Rockefeller for the stu- for the NBC studio tour. Uh, so that just, we ended up lucking out. The thing that was supposed to happen was us do the studio tour and then tonight go to... UCB. Yeah, and watch Herald Night, which we did, which was great. There were three teams... Um, and a friend of mine, or a pal of mine, I don't know, you know how close we are, I'm not trying to name drop. Um, she's great. Uh, her name's Molly, and she's on Men and Women. And uh, so I wanted to see her, but I also just wanted to see UCB. I, I've never been to UCB. So, so I'd wanted, uh, I wanted to go there. And we had a great time. It yeah, was a lot of fun. Yeah, we went to UCB Chelsea, and like you said, there were three Herald teams. It was Herald Night. And it was packed house, so and it's a Tuesday night, mm-hmm. so I guess they're just like packing them in there every every night, you know. And it was a great show. Yeah, really great show. What was validating for me was just how fast they were, and I think part of how fast they were is just they're fast play. Like they have fast minds. They're really quick, mm-hmm. sharp people, but also they just weren't giving themselves time to overthink their idea yeah, or to start criticizing they just open their mouths and start talking <laughs> it's like whatever came out is what came out and it was great because of that it, ha- it kept the pace up i think something i noticed from all of these shows that we've seen whether it was comedy seller or late show or late night or ucb was people being really on top of their game and really on point and it was because they're just willing to go there and they're aren't holding themselves back that's mostly what i think when i see 
uh, video of me performing or see other people who are performing and it's not on that level, uh, usually it's because that person is holding back. Yeah. It's usually because we're holding back something and being too afraid to really go for something. And it was not a problem for the UCP players. No, they went for it. They were so fast. They were so quick. They always went for stuff. And the people would yes and them and support and just do the same thing and really good responses to things. Like, uh, I think that first team we saw, which I am blanking on their name, but they were really great at having that back and forth. Yeah. You know, it was just awesome. It was really great to see Harold's done that, that well. Yeah. So I think what I've learned from this week overall from these six days here New York people are very helpful people (laughs) there's this idea that they're all so mean and crabby up here that has not been our experience at all Uh, they've been really nice through and through everybody Uh, they're just giving you information so that's one thing and then also like at all these comedy shows it just seems like there is an abundant amount of information that is being told to the audience like here's what's happening here's what you're gonna do Here's what we're going to do. Yeah, Here's what's at, happening. Not, that's not just like the late show and late night. Like even at UCB, they did, they helped someone who had never seen improv before understand what a herald was. Yeah. So that was comforting. Yeah. I yeah. feel like that's our duty because the improv can be so intimidating to someone who doesn't know what it is, especially as an audience member. Like you want to understand what's happening. So, yeah. Anyway. I think that was like ultimately what I was coming back from with all this was... You have to give the audience information about, here's what you're doing, Mm -hmm. here's what is going to happen. We want to make sure that you understand this. There were so many people who told us, like, when we're in NBC, all these pages that were telling us stuff, and then we'd get in another line, and then a different person would tell us the same information, Mm -hmm. and then we'd get inside, and someone else would give us that same information, Mm -hmm. and then it would happen and then in a break if there's for whatever reason sometimes the host needed to tell us stuff Mm -hmm. or the floor director needed to tell us something it was we're always being given information so we're being guided along on this fun little ride it was it was really great so that was my other big take back is if you're doing something for people you really want to guide them along and give them more information than you think they will need Mm -hmm. so that they know what what's up and what's going on i think that's a very clear idea that's a very clear idea of what we should be doing when whenever we perform and especially when we host um i would say uh this week we my take back we just absorbed so much stuff yeah like we absorbed the city food really great music i mean we saw john batiste we saw the roots we saw john mayer we saw d'angelo we saw the HG band, we saw Tom O'Dell, and we saw Sum 41. Oh my gosh, Sum 41, right? <laughs> yeah, they deserve the end credit on that. And then all the comics we saw and all the just people we saw, it was it was amazing. It's going to take a long time to decompress from I all that. I know it. Oh my gosh. And then the all the parks that we saw, Bryant and Washington and Central Park. And, yeah. Uh we saw the Lego store. I mean, and it's it was just like overwhelming. It's not overwhelming, or I guess it is in a good sense. Like, we've just barely begun. You know, there's so much more to do and see here. Yeah. That's really great. Well, that's it 
for now, folks. Uh, there are some people who I saw up here perform that I would like to ask to be in the podcast. I've already asked one of them, so hopefully they're going to be on soon. Mm-hmm. We'll see who's going to be on next week. I think that's it for us now. We will see you next time. Until then, be good to each other. Bye. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. 